Hey, well, welcome back to another episode of what I suppose we're calling the Jesus podcast. I'm not really sure what we're calling it, but it is what it is. And uh, really, our motive and our heart is just to continue to, f- to focus on how wonderful our Savior Jesus is. To kind of strip back all the mess and all the peripheral things that we kind of add on to accessorize Jesus. but And, and instead, just to focus on Him. We've kind of got this phrase in our church community at Empower Church that we just want to look at his face and hold his hand. We want him to be our focus and just allow him to guide us and lead us where he wants to go. I'm not sure if I've said, but my name's Matt Garner and I'm kind of your host and we're just we're just talking and we're just trying to orientate our lives the best that we can, whether we're in business, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you're in uh, medicine, whether you're a pastor, a leader in government, whatever it might be. If you are a Christian, if you're a disciple, if you're a believer of Jesus, then it is it is our goal and it is our desire to really be focused on His name. So that's what we're here doing. That's what we're all about. And um, I'm excited to share another episode as we kind of unpack in a way, not that you can ever fully, but as we just focus around some biblical ideas of who Jesus is. It's my heart for this podcast, and I haven't actually really shared this, come to think of it, but it certainly is my heart for um, for these times that uh, that they're an encounter with the person of Jesus. And so... I come to you with an open heart, uh, not just wanting to read a manuscript or read some notes uh, from what I've prepared, although I have, but it's really my heart to be as led by Jesus in these moments as we can, because I don't want to underestimate how the Lord wants to move through these, and I don't want to underestimate the fact that, um, that Jesus that following the, the preaching of who Jesus is, the gospel, the good news, is signs and wonders. And so as we preach, I'm really believing as we come around the person of Jesus and as we just talk about who he is, I'm praying that the very manifest presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit would come and fill wherever you are. And I hope right now um, that you just sense his touch and you would sense his love and more than just an informational type of uh, podcast, I'm praying that these would be impartational. I'm praying that you would just really grow in your faith, grow in your understanding of who He is, that He would renew your mind, that your mind would be renewed through, um, through God speaking to you out of His Word, but also that you would experience Him. See, that's, I think that's one of the fundamental differences between religion and relationship. Religion is the thing that you do with no tangible experience. But friend, the Jesus that I know, he wants to encounter you. He wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. And so come on, even in this moment, can we just invite him? Can we invite him into our day? Can we invite him into, if you're about to go to bed right now, invite him into your dreams? Can you invite him into your thinking? If you've got an anxious heart right now, can you invite him into your heart? And so, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, the all-powerful person of Jesus, the Jesus that calms the storm, the Jesus that silences the raging winds and waves, the Jesus that sees the least, 
the Jesus that cares for what society and who society don't even acknowledge. The Jesus that is the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. We come before you, Jesus, and we truly humble ourselves. We ask for your touch. We ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal to us, Jesus? Would you come and move in power in our hearts as we look to you, Father? And Lord, even in this moment, I'm praying you'd light fires in people's hearts all around this globe. Lord, of people that would rise up in this Jesus movement, in this new orientation of of our faith where we jump out of churchianity and we get into Christianity, where we desire to be your body, be your kingdom on the earth. I'm praying, King Jesus, come and take the preeminent place in our heart and be Lord, be King. Lord, the little we have, In our lives, we offer it as worship to you. The little we have, Father, all that we are, we humble ourselves and we just lay down who we are to you, Father. Would you move in power? We want to experience you in every facet of our life, Father, in our homes, in our workplaces shopping centers, schools, universities. We don't want to condition your presence to working only in a Sunday service or a church style of service. But Father, we want to be open to your spirit moving at any moment. So we ask, speak to our hearts, change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, sorry, just having a moment there. But the Lord is good. The Lord is good. You know, last week we we spoke, uh, or not last week, in our last episode, I should say, uh, we, we spoke about the Son of Man. And we kind of laid this theological foundation that there's a hyperlink to when Jesus is declaring himself. We, we discovered that Jesus uh, didn't call himself the Son of God, but he did call himself the Son of Man. In fact, that's the most popular terminology for who he was in the New Testament or in the Gospels. And um, and it's there for a reason. And the importance is because uh, the Jewish people, this is just a recap, the Jewish people really um, uh, out of Daniel chapter 7, the Jewish people had this belief from a vision and a dream that Daniel had about the Son of Man coming. And so whenever you see the Son of Man, it's a hyperlink back to Daniel chapter 7. And Jesus is on the scene declaring that he was and is the Son of Man. Today, we want to shift gears and we want to talk about Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God. We said that he's fully human, the Son of Man, but he's also fully God, the Son of God. He's fully human and he's fully divine. He's two natures in one. Two natures in one. Typically, when we hear the term son, we often think of like a biological offspring. I have a son, I have children, and I have a son. And so I, I, I get that. When we say the word son, we think of that. However, when it's used in reference to Jesus, it takes on a multifaceted meaning and carries a greater significance. There's a story behind just that statement. It's something that God wants us to dig deeper into today. And so in a New Testament 
uh, in the New Testament, Jesus's sonship, excuse me, highlights his relationship to the Father, his messianic role and his divine nature. And I think that's important for us to note that it wasn't just a small thing for him to declare himself as the son of God. It was a big thing. It theologically is a, has massive, significant ramifications. It had uh, it 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 was very confrontational for a first century Jewish person to grapple with this idea that Jesus was the Son of God, and that the reason why it was difficult is because it highlighted his relationship to the Father. It highlighted his prophetic messianic role in the Jewish narrative of the Messiah coming and redeeming them. It also highlighted the his divine nature. And so when they're looking at Jesus and when people are there's rumors going around that he's the son of man and he's the son of God. There's rumors being spread about him. It was confronting. It was confronting because in a way it was like saying God and the fulfillment of what our forefathers have declared and prophesied and the reason why we live the way that we live, the manifestation of that is right in front of us in the person of Jesus, the son of God. As the Son of God, Jesus exemplified a perfect relationship with the Father. Born of a virgin with no earthly father, we spoke about that last week. Jesus' purpose while he was on earth was to do the will of his heavenly Father. And you you can read about that in John chapter 4, verse 34. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. His sonship was also connected to his role as the chosen Messiah. He was prophesied to bring, a, as the Messiah, to bring about salvation to men. And this is a fascinating thing as we look at it. I'm not going to um, give this too much time today, but it is fascinating to look at it. And it's fascinating because the Jewish people had this idea. You got to, like, let me just lay kind of. Um, uh, just a few foundational thoughts culturally and of what's happening. The Jews, um, as a, uh, come about Daniel's time in the Bible, uh, are in ex- exile, and so they've been dispersed all around, all around the, this region, and so they're um, in exile. But they're also in exile in their own nation. And by the time we we arrive to the first century Jewish people of Jesus's day, they are under Roman rule in their own land, in the land of their ancestors. And so they're in this this whole vibe where they're like, this is our place, but we're being ruled by another another government. And they're seeing people come and, uh, you know, government repossess their land, their land that meant so much to them on a spiritual and personal level and uh, build gymnasiums and and build government buildings and do all these sorts of things. And it was a pretty brutal cutthroat type of environment back then. And they're in this place, but as Jews holding on to the Hebraic Jewish belief 
that Jehovah is going to send a Messiah, according to Daniel chapter 7, that is going to rescue them. And in their head, the Messiah is going to be the one that overthrows Rome, overthrows the current ruler and redeems them. And so in their mind, they've presupposed what the Messiah is going to look like. They've already decided in their thinking what this Messiah is going to look like. And hello, here comes Jesus. Actually, as the Son of God, actually as that messianic uh, fulfillment of prophecy, that the Messiah in the flesh, and they are struggling because it doesn't look like what they thought it would look like. And I don't want to go over this, listen to the last one right at the end of the last episode. I talk about that a lot, how we have an expectation that Jesus is going to look like a package that we want him to look like because that's how we've experienced or believed or been told he should move. But Jesus is Lord. He does not consult you. He does not consult me for how he's going to move and what that's going to look like. And so sometimes a king comes born into a manger. The son of man and the son of God is birthed into a manger, but it doesn't a manger, but it doesn't change who he is. And so this is the struggle our humanity has. He is is this Messiah, and he's prophesied to bring salvation to men. And the the term son, as we come back to this whole idea of the son of God, is often used to designate a chosen vessel for import for an important task. And so this statement, son of God, isn't just referring to a, uh, a family tree, although it is, but it's referring to a chosen vessel. It had more a depth, a greater depth of meaning than just a biological son. It was a chosen vessel for an important task. In fact, in the Baker Encyclopedia, um, you can read, that uh, explains in the in the in the heading of son of god that king david was called a son he was called a son acting uh, uh, acting as a prophetic prototype of the essential sonship of jesus and you can read about that in 2 Samuel 7:14 write that down and you can talk about it where or you can read about it in Psalms chapter 2 specifically verse number 7 where David actually says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. And so David is like this type. He's a prophetic prototype um, of the essential and of this idea of sonship and the importance of it. And what's crazy is David's is that Jesus, Jesus is described as the son of David. Remember in that story in the Gospels where blind Bartimaeus is crying out? What's he crying out? He's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all the Jews agreed that um, there, was, there was general consensus that it was going to come, the Messiah was going to come out of the line of David, therefore being one of the sons of David. And so Jesus is David's royal son. Think about this in in John, just to just to bring this a little bit together. John chapter one verse forty nine. Jesus is having an encounter with Nathaniel, and the Bible says that Nathaniel declared, "Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel." End quote. Nathaniel equates Jesus's sonship with kingship. See that you're the Son of God. You're the son of God. 
And he also says in the same sentence, you're the son of God and you're the king of Israel. You, you, you're, both, you're both in one. And so when we say you're the son of God, we are saying you are king. You are king. And as a result, Jesus has the preeminence and the authority over creation being the eternal son of God. He is the eternal son of God. Man, this is so powerful. I hope you're getting this in your heart. Jesus has the preeminence and authority over creation. He is the eternal son of God. You know, perhaps most significantly, the term son of God speaks of Jesus's deity. Jesus spoke clearly that he and the father were equal in nature and essence. In John chapter 10, verse number 30, Jesus literally said, I and the Father are one. We read a little further in John chapter 14, verse 11. Jesus said, believe me when I say I am I that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus and the Father are one. And this is where our, our belief in the Trinity comes into play where we believe they're one, but we believe they're separate. We believe that he's fully God, but he's also the son of God. And this is important for us to understand, but I'm just trying to point out here that when we see the terminology son of God, and when we're talking about Jesus, we've got to understand that this speaks of the fact that Jesus is equal equal um, in essence and nature with Father God. You know, in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read from about verse number 12, and I want to bring out a few thoughts here because this is the, the, the whole Colossians chapter 1 and 2 is just crazy. It, is, it, it talks about Christ and who he is, and I want to really encourage you to just dig into it, dig into it. it it's amazing. It'll blow your mind. But listen to this. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 1, let's read verse 12. And giving joyful thanks or thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He is the beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. Verse 15, the Son is the image, Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have supremacy. For, he, for God, verse 19, was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth 
or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What an incredible passage of scripture, so powerful. And what I love about it is just purely, man, just talking about who Jesus is. It says that Jesus is the son. Jesus, sorry, is the invisible, the image of the invisible God. Hebrew des- Hebrews describes him. Uh, Hebrews describes him as the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Shall we read that scripture? Hebrews one three. It says the Son of Man is the radi- Sorry, the Son, not the Son of Man. I'm, I've been in too many of these teaching sessions so far. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Man, that is so cool. He is the radiance of God's glory. And so when we, in a just a practical sense, let's just get, let's just get out of the theology for a moment. We're in, when we're in church asking for God's glory, we're asking for the presence of the Son to be made manifest in that room. Because Jesus, the Bible is telling us, is the radiance, the sun is the radiance, the radiance of God's glory. And so when we're saying, let your glory fall down upon us, when we're praying, God, show me your glory, we're really saying, God, show me Jesus. Man, do you feel that today? We are saying, show me Jesus. I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want nothing else but Jesus. When we come into a time of worship, I don't care who else is participating. I just want to focus on Jesus because I know that when he walks in the room, nothing else matters. When when he walks in the room, when the glory of God fills a room, comes upon a meeting, comes upon a workplace, comes upon a home, comes upon a life, when the glory fills that, when Jesus fills it, you don't need sermons, you don't need the clever things of church life, you don't need strategy, you don't need a, a business plan, you don't need any of those things. When the glory of Jesus fills a place, fills a life, That is all that is needed. And that is why we want to create a culture in our lives that is hungering for the glory of God. Because when we're saying, Jesus, we hunger for your glory, we hunger for your touch, we hunger for your manifest presence, we're saying we want the radiance of God that that is manifest through the Son that is Jesus. Man, it is powerful. In your prayer time, I pray that you would pray, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Let the glory of God fill my life. Another thing that's super cool just in this verse is that the Bible says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and, point two, the exact representation of his being. Maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you're agnostic, maybe you believe there are a lot of ways to God. 
Uh, maybe you believe there are that that God's in everything and all those sorts of things, and the tree is God and this is God. No, the trees and creation were exactly that. They were created through Him. They were created by Him, and they only still exist because He continues to hold those things all together. The worship should never go to the tree. The worship should go to the to the creator of the tree. Now, should we steward? Should we uh, should we be good stewards of earth and creation? One hundred percent. Yes, 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 yes. But we shouldn't confuse stewardship and worship. We're not called to worship those things. We're not called to worship those things. Our lives are not to revolve around those things. Our lives are to revolve around Jesus off the point, but maybe that was for someone that's listening today. What, what I love about it is, is the Bible says that, um, where is it? It says that uh, he is the exact representation of his being. If you're looking for God, atheist, if you're looking for God, uh, you, you know, and you're trying to find him and, and, and maybe you have a belief that there are many gods, no friend, there is only one God. And if you're trying to find out what he looks like, the, you've got to look at the person of Jesus because he is the exact representation of his being. And so if you want perfect theology, you, where are you going to find it? You're going to find it in Jesus. You've got to look at Jesus. You've got to dive deep. You've got to contemplate. You've got to stare. You've got to gaze. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 2. You've got to look at who he is. You've got to behold as in a mirror. The Greek word is to stare, to look at intently, be disciplined about it, study, find out who Jesus is. The theological word for it is Christology. It's the study of Christ, of who he is. You've got to do a deep dive, empowered by the Spirit. The change only happens by the Spirit. Okay, The change doesn't happen by information. The change and the transformation that same passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, tells us happens by the Spirit of God. But if you're looking to find God, look no further than Jesus. Man, I'm praying that the church can be so disciplined that we would keep our eyes exclusively upon Him. We need it in this time. I know I'm preaching a little bit right now. I didn't expect to be here. But friend, we need to be focusing on Jesus. As our government changes, as the world changes, as it's fracturing all around us, as we're, as we're living through what seems like a movie at times in this global pandemic, we need to be looking to Jesus. He's the only one that is stable. He is the only one that is stable. He is the only thing that is stable. The, the, our, our, uh, uh, econom, our economical environment, the stock market, the uh, property prices, all of those sorts of things. Man, don't be relying on those. Be reliant on Jesus. You say, Matt, how do I do that? You do that by making sure that those peripheral things, those things that Jesus said in Matthew 6 that we don't have to worry about, aren't the thing that are on the throne of our life, but the person of Jesus is. This is why I've been saying, and it sounds pretty hardcore, and I don't mean it as a criticism. I mean it by way of provoking you, by challenging you, by, by, yeah, by challenging your thinking about how you're living your life. But I said it, I think I believe it was in the in our first episode that we need to be a church that aren't looking at his hand, but are looking at his face. 
as the bride with the bridegroom. Imagine if you're walking down the aisle and all the bride is thinking about is what she's going to get out of the bridegroom. No, there's got to be a greater depth. We're not marrying someone for what they can give us. That's not what this is about. We're in this covenant relationship because we're in love with the person of who Jesus is. What he provides for us is a byproduct of his character, his goodness. He's the good shepherd. He's faithful. He's the advocate. He's there for us. But friend, we're not there for the things that he can provide. We are there for who he is. And he is the exact representation of Jesus. Man, it is incredible. I'm loving this. When Jesus' disciples saw him, when they saw him calm the storm in Matthew chapter 14, they worshipped him and they called him the son of God. In fact, the Bible actually says, I believe it's in the New King James, that they actually kind of look at each other, they say to each other, this is how it plays out in my kind of Hollywood mind, in my, in, on the screen of my imagination. They look at each other and they have this moment after Jesus has walked on the water and they say, truly, he is the son of God. It's as if up until that point in time, they were umming and ahhing. They weren't completely convinced, but they say, truly, he is the son of God. Truly, he is the son of God. And as a result of that revelation, their, in, their response, their response is worship. Their response indicates that they actually, from their heart, realize that he was the son of God. See, anyone can say Jesus is the son of God. Anyone can say it. Anyone can know a lot about Jesus. But the evidence that it's a revelation in your heart is the worship that it produces in your life. Man, that's good. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to me right now. I'm telling you, the evidence that the revelation is in your heart, that it's not just information in your head, is the worship that comes out of your life. And please don't think I'm confusing how high you can lift your hands and in a, in a, in a Sunday service and how loud you can sing and whether you're in tune and all those sorts of things. No, worship. I'm talking about every, your life needs to exude worship. Your work is worship unto, unto him. Do everything as you're doing it unto the Lord as the Bible teaches us the son of God. When you get that revelation and when you when you get that thing out, truly he's the son of God. Man, we had a thought, we had an idea, we had information up in our head, but now we believe it. Worship is the response. Jesus did not become the son of God. Here's another important theological thing. He did not become the son of God at the moment of his earthly, earthly birth. It wasn't like now that you're on earth, you're the son of God. The Bible describes him as, as the pre-existent son of God, whom the father sent in the world. Check this out. Uh, John chapter 3, not verse 16, verse 17, the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, he was already pre-existent as the son of God. John eleven twenty seven, Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world. You were the Son of God before you arrived. That's why in our uh, teaching around the Trinity, we have the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit because he already was the son. The title, please don't confuse this, the title doesn't mean that God the Father created the Son. That's what the Jehovah's Witness, that's what Mormonism teaches. But if you want to drill down a little bit more, you can see in John chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible clearly states that Jesus was the creator of all things. It says, without him, uh, without him was, was not anything made that was made. And this phrase directly designates Jesus as an uncreated being, since all created beings were made through Jesus. And so we believe that he was the son before he came to earth. We believe that he's the son of God. And this is important because in in these days that we're living, your theology is going to be challenged. Well, no, he wasn't the son of God. There's many sons of God and there's this person. And what about that person? And no, and, and we try to read uh, different different parts of religion, try to reorder who Jesus is. See, Islam believe in believe that Jesus exists. They just don't believe that he was the son of God. A lot of religions believe different things about Jesus, but that's why in this world that's pushing us towards pluralism, which is this idea that we can believe a lot of things and them all come together, We've got to hold fast to our biblical roots and believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Man, when you get this revelation in your heart, it brings a new light to the songs you sing. It brings a new light to your belief in Him as the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. He is all-powerful. He is equal with God. He is the exact representation of His being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. He provides purification of sins. He is seated at the right hand of the Father of of the majesty of heaven. He is incredible. He is the image of the invisible God. Come on, I want to I want to encourage you. I want to I want to encourage you to, to go through Hebrews chapter one. And to, to take some time out, specifically verse number three, I've been quoting from. But I really want you to spend some time this week, whenever you can, in Colossians chapter one, maybe chapter two, and start reading what the Bible says about who Jesus is. It's powerful. I promise you, when you start to get this revelation about who Jesus is, it will change your life. It'll change you because when you see him, When you see him, you're transformed into the image that you see. And that's why we've got to be the church that look at his face. Look at his face. Hey, I want to just thank you. I want to honor you for listening, for sticking uh, sticking with me today. Uh, We're talking everything about Jesus. Everything's about him. Every little bit is about who he is. Build your life on the foundation of Jesus is the rock, the rock of all ages. Friend, and when the storms come, your life will remain standing. It'll remain standing. Thanks for listening. We're so honored that you did. Uh, take the time if you've, if you've got an opportunity to, to, uh, re- to like and subscribe to our podcast. 
um, and that just really helps us, helps people see what's happening, subscribe to the YouTube channel, do all those sorts of things. Uh, if you want more content, you want more information, you just want to see what we're doing or you want to connect in some way, you can head to empowerchurch.co, no M, just empowerchurch.co um, and find some more stuff there. Or you can just shoot me an email, matt at empowerchurch.co. I'd love to say hi. I'd love to connect with you. And uh, God bless you. Uh, come on, let's be a part of this Jesus movement. God's doing something incredible in the earth. And he wants to do something for you. He wants to do something in you. And he wants to do something through you. God bless. God bless.